Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Acts of the Apostles chapter 14. Acts of of the Apostles chapter 14. Reading from verse number 9. The Bible says, This man, referring to the man that was crippled from his mother's womb, so this man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had the faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now please notice the verse of the scripture that we read or the verses of scripture in the book of Acts chapter 14 did not tell us what Paul was preaching about. The Bible did not tell us the message of Paul. The Bible did not tell us if any other person was believing God for healing or anything. The Bible did not give us the circumstances that were surrounding that thing. All the Bible told us that when Paul was preaching, the man looked at Paul, had faith to believe. Paul made a declaration and the man was healed. Now, even without knowing the content of Paul's preaching, Without revealing the prevailing circumstances under which that particular preaching was being heard. What we know about this man was that this man was not just listening to Paul. Okay? The man was not just hearing the word of God. The man was just not there just like any other person will go to a church or go to a crusade or go to a place where the word of God is being ministered. What we find is that this man was listening to Paul preaching and he was able to recognize that this word that Paul is preaching is the truth of the scripture. The man was able to recognize and believe that the preaching of Paul, the, the preaching that Paul was giving was the word of God. This man was able to believe and he was persuaded that the message that Paul was giving at that point in time was a message that applied to his life and applied to his situation. The man was able to be convinced and he was, he was convinced and persuaded that what Paul was saying at that point in time, he was able to benefit. He can tap into it and he can benefit from it. In other words, he knew he was hearing what Paul was saying and he was not applying the message of Paul to somebody else. He was not applying the message of Paul to saying, okay, I wish my brother was here. I wish my sister was here. I wish that man was here or that woman was here. But this man was not applying the message to somebody else. This man was taking whatever Paul was saying and was applying it to himself. In other words, this man not only believed the word of God that was being preached at that very moment, this crippled man had faith to believe that the word that Paul was preaching will result in healing for for his own physical body. In other words, he believed that the word of God applied to him. Okay? He believed that the word of God applied to him. I want you to pause for that moment and turn your Bible back to the book of Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, the Bible tells us a very interesting story there again. If you start reading from verse number 5, the Bible tells us the story of a centurion. A centurion who came to the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of his servant. He asked Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus, my servant is ill. And I will be glad if you can, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you can help us. 
Before he even finished the request, Jesus Christ went and said, okay, I will come to you. I will come into the house and heal your boy or heal your, 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 your servant. And the man did something that even surprised Jesus. If you start reading from verse number seven, the Bible tells us, he said, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and to, and he goes, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, Jesus marveled, and said to those who followed, Surely I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, this man, he knew the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew the power of the Almighty God. And he said, Jesus, you don't even need to follow me. Just speak the word. Okay? Just declare the word. And I know that whatever you say shall happen to my, to my particular, to my servant. And the interesting thing about this verse is what you see in verse number 10. The Bible says in verse number 10 that when Jesus heard it, Jesus was, Jesus marveled. In other words, Jesus was astonished. Jesus was surprised. Jesus was completely, was completely taken aback that there is somebody in this particular country that believes and is no, and is willing to take my word without even seeing me go there to lay my hands upon the sick. Now, please notice something about these two verses or these two passages of scripture that we have read. The Bible specifically recognized and acknowledged that both men had faith to believe for miracle. Okay? The man that was crippled from birth had faith when hearing the word of God from Paul, had the faith to believe that he, the word applied unto him. The centurion, just visiting the Lord Jesus Christ, had the faith to believe that all Jesus had to do was speak the word, and that word was sufficient for him. Now, why is this important for us to understand? Why is it important? It is important because it is possible for a person to be saved. It is possible for a person to believe in God, to believe that God had the, has the power to do everything, that there's no impossibility with the Almighty God. It's even possible for somebody to believe in divine healing, in divine provision, in divine deliverance. It is possible for somebody to believe that, is, that God can do all things. But the implication of, the, of Acts of the Apostles chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 8 is that it is possible for a person to believe everything about the Bible, everything about the power of God, and still not believe that those things can happen in their own life. It is very possible. It is possible for somebody to hear the word of God and believe that God can do all things. And that person, it is possible that that person may not believe that those things can happen in their own life. There are those who believe that God can deliver people from whatever unpleasant situation they find themselves. There are those who believe that God can heal, God can protect, God can provide. But they, for some reason, they do not believe that God can do it for them. Okay? They do not believe that God can do it for them. And please understand, we are talking about faithful people in the church. We are talking about people who have been born again. We are talking about people who are prayerful. We are talking about people who know, who know that, they who know all the promises of the word of God. But for some reason, they are convinced that they are not qualified to receive the blessings of God. They do not believe that God can intervene on their behalf. For some reason, they have just convinced themselves that God cannot meet them at the very point of their need. That is one group of people. There is another group of people, another side of the, of the people in the church, who believe that God has no other obligation than to bless them. 
There are those who believe that God deserve, they deserve the blessing of God, regardless of the way they live their life. There are those who believe that God owes them a blessing, that God is obligated to bless them. Okay? The interesting thing is that these two types of people are always present in the church. And the question is, how does a man get to the point where you believe you do not deserve the blessings of God? When you believe that God can do all things, but he will not do it for you. And then the other people who believe that God must, you know, God has no other option than to bless them, regardless of the way they pray, regardless of the way they live their life. How do people get to that point where they believe this interesting thing? Number one, I'll just say there are a number of reasons how people get to the point in the get to those get to those two extremes. But one of the things I would suggest to you is number one, people get to that particular point in their faith by the view of God that they have. How you see God determines whether you believe that God is obligated to bless you or God will not bless you because you think you are not good enough. How you see God. Now, if you see God as an angry old man, then you think that you must always please him. At every time, that every you must be perfect before him, before you can get a blessing. And those who see God as a Santa Claus, they believe that they can live anyhow. Santa Claus will always come every Christmas. Whether they like it or not, God will bless them. It doesn't matter how they live. So it's your view of God that determines how, where you, how, you, you, know, how you see God. Your view of God determines how your, your, your position towards the blessings of God. Number two, and the culture where you grow up. If you grow up in a very entitled culture, that believes that God owes that that we are owed something. You will believe that God owes you a favor. God owes you a blessing. That if you come to church, you are doing God a favor. As such, God must bless you. In that kind of situation, if you come from an entitled environment, that will affect the way you see God. But if you come from a culture where everything is work and merit, where you have to earn your way, you will believe that you have to earn your way with your mighty God. So your view of God, number one, affects you where you see the blessings of God. Your our culture they affect the where we see the blessings of God. Not only that your spiritual environment where you grow up determines this also. If you grow up in a fundamentalist environment where you believe or where you are taught that if you smile you have committed sin. If you have fun you have committed sin. In that kind of environment you will live a life that you cannot have fun. That's the only way you can attract the blessings of God. That you must behave like the most holy person before you can attract the blessings of God. Now if you live in a permissive culture, if you grow up in a permissive spiritual environment where everything goes, it doesn't matter. You can't you can, you can commit all the sin in the world and still believe that the blessing of God will multiply. If you grow up in that kind of a spiritual environment, that is your attitude towards the blessings of God. The point I'm trying to make is this. Our view of God, our culture, and our spiritual environment, you know, where we find ourselves, sometimes shape and dictate the, our attitude towards the spiritual blessings of God. Because that's what is going to affect the way you see how God relates to his people. But most importantly, how you see the blessings and the, and the, and the, and the things that God gives to his people is a function of your understanding of the concept of grace. Your function and the understanding of the concept of grace. Many of us have heard grace defined as the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the favor of God for the undeserving. The unconditional love of God for those who do not deserve it. When we understand the concept of grace, it is very easy for you to understand how God blesses his people. Because you know it's not something you work for. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. If you read from verse number 8, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been blessed. By grace you have been healed. By grace you have been delivered. By grace you have been made whole. Through faith. And it is not of yourself. But it is the gift of God. As such, you, should, you cannot boast. When you receive anything from the Almighty God, it's the gift of God. It's the grace of God that you receive it. 
I used to have a brother back home in Nigeria who always said that if you pray and God does not answer, what are you going to do? If you pray and God refuses to answer, what are you going to do? Are you going to arrest him or are you going to sue him? Or are you going to report him to the, you know, report him to the civil rights people or have a community organization in front of the church and protest that God did not answer your prayer? What are you going to do? It's the grace of God. And the, that, is the, the, that is the reason that you cannot earn the love of God. You cannot earn the blessings of God. It is the grace of God. And that is what Paul the Apostle was saying in the book of Romans chapter 4. If you read from verse number 4, he said, Now, now to him who walk, the wages are not counted for him as grace. If you go to your place of employment tomorrow morning and you are paid what you are, the, the, the amount of work that you are put in there, you do not consider your salary to be, to be grace. No, you work for it. So that that particular, you know, so that what you are earning, your grace is not, it's not grace. It's a debt that is owed unto you. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted unto him for righteousness. In other words, if you do not deserve something and God gives it to you, it is grace. So our understanding of the grace of God determines our attitude towards the blessings of God. Whatever you enjoy is not because you know how to do it. You will notice anytime we pray here, we say, it is not because we know how to pray. That's why you are keeping us. It is not because we know how to pray. That's why you are blessing us. It's your grace upon our lives. Okay? And unless we understand the concept of grace, it will be very hard for us to have faith for anything. If you don't understand the concept of grace, you will probably have deficiency in the way you will walk with the Almighty God when it is based on faith. And now if you look at the book of Acts chapter 14, that particular crippled man in Acts chapter 14 and that particular centurion in the book of Matthew chapter 8 understood the concept of grace. They understood that grace makes a way for God to bless them regardless of their merits. They understood that grace makes it possible for them to receive the healing that they are trusting the Lord for. They understood that grace qualifies a man to receive what he's not qualified for. They understood that grace is the one that gives them the access to the power and the authority that is, that is present in the word of God. It is by grace that they enjoy all those things. Now, after the centurion asked the Lord Jesus Christ that he only needs to speak and his servant was healed, the Bible records that when Jesus heard it, Jesus realized that this man, he said, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. In other words, this man had enough faith based on the understanding of grace to be able to pull the healing from the presence of the Almighty God. The question then is that how did the centurion and how did this particular people man develop such faith? And by extension, how can we develop that particular faith? I don't want to go through the readings of the entire verse of the scriptures again, but if you go back to the book of Acts of the Apostles chapter 14 and the book of Matthew chapter 8, and you combine those two scriptures together, you will see seven things that must be in the life of, the, in the life of an individual who will develop the faith to receive a miracle. Who will develop a faith to be able to receive from the Almighty God. The first thing we see in those two passages of scripture is number one, a recognition of their need. You cannot develop the faith that received from the Almighty God if you do not if you do not recognize your own need. If you cannot identify a particular need in your life, if you cannot identify the things that is lacking in your life, what are you going to believe God for? What do you need God for if you don't need anything? Why do you need somebody to help you if you don't need help in any way? So the first way, the first thing for 
If we are going to develop the faith to believe God for something, if you are going to develop faith to believe God for healing, to believe God for provision, to believe God for deliverance, to believe God for whatever, you have to first of all recognize your need. This man who was crippled from his mother's womb recognized the need to be able to walk. The centurion recognized the need for his uh, servant to be healed. And that was what drove them to, you know, to believe in God for that particular miracle. So the first thing you must see, to develop the faith to receive from the Almighty God, there has to be a recognition of need. Number two, there has to be an exposure to the word of God. That particular man that was lame from his mother's womb was exposed to the preaching of the word of God. And this particular centurion was exposed to the personification of the word of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you are going to believe the Lord God Almighty for miracle, if you are going to believe God for the visitation of the spirit, you have to develop, you have to expose yourself to the word of God. And that's why the Bible makes us to understand that the word of God is from everlasting unto ever. He said his word will be fulfilled. He said heaven and earth will pass away. His word will not go unfulfilled. It is when you expose yourself to the word of God, either by reading, through meditation, through the preaching of the word, through the study of the word of God, that is when you begin to build the faith that is necessary to be able to receive. Because that's when you see the promises of the Almighty God. That's when you know what God has said is going to do. That is what you know what God has done in the past. That's what you know. That's when you know what God will do and what God will not do. Exposure to the word of God is the second way to develop the faith to receive from the almighty God. Number three, if you are going to develop the faith that will believe God for your own miracle, you must believe in the power of that particular word. Believe in the power of the word. This particular centurion understood he understood the power and the authority behind the word. And he said, I am a man under authority. He understood how authority worked. He understood how power worked. He said, all I have to do is to speak the word. Go to this place and that person goes. Sit down and that person sits down. He said, the same way it operates within the military. That's the same way it operates within the spiritual. And you remember the time when we were talking about the concept of double creation. In other words, nothing happened in the physical that first does not happen in the spiritual. Everything you see in the physical is is a representation of what is going on in the spiritual. The, the model that you see on earth is the spiritual model that is operating in the heavenlies. And this man understood. He understood that if anything is going to happen, you must trust the power of the word. If you do not believe in the power of the word, it will be extremely difficult for you to receive from everything, anything from the word, from the almighty God. Because all that God does, he does it through the spoken word. And that is why he said, let there be light. And there was light. And that's why the Bible said the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Everything that the Almighty God does, it does through the spoken word. And if you are going to receive miracle from the Almighty God, you must trust in the power of that word of God. Number four, you must recognize the authority of that particular word. We just said a few minutes ago that the word of God will endure forever. There is authority in that word. The Bible says that when Jesus was teaching, he said people saw him and they said that he, has, he does not speak like the Pharisees. He did not speak like the scribe because he spoke like one with authority. There is the authority in the word of God. Where the word of the king is, the Bible says there is power and there is authority. Number five, if you are going to receive, if you are going to build the faith that will preach, that will pull, that will, that will attract the blessings of the Almighty God, you must be convinced that that particular word that you are listening to, that that word that you are believing in, that that word that you are trusting in His power applies to you. It's not just for your neighbor. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the person that is committing whatever they are committing. The word of God applies to you. And if you are going to see the word, if you are going to see God move on your behalf, you must recognize that that word applies to you. 
Because one of the strongest things, one of the things that we do in the church is that we have a way of this dissociating ourselves. When we talk about the blessings of God, I want to claim the blessing. You say, yes, I'm a child of God. I claim the blessing of God. But when there are some difficult parts, we kind of remember that particular sister who need to hear the message. And the point I'm making here this point, this, this thing is this. If you are going to see God, if you are going to develop the faith, that will attract the miracles of God into your life. You must believe, have that conviction that the word of God that you are hearing, the word of God that you are reading, the word of God that you are exposed to applies to you also. Not just to that person sitting next to you. And then number six, for you to develop the faith that will attract the blessings of God, you must expect God to act on your behalf. There are some, for some reasons, or people believe that God can hear only the prayer of the pastor, or only the prayer of that particular woman that prays a lot in the church, but not their own prayer. That God will not act on their behalf. He will act on the behalf of other people, but not on their behalf. But if you are going to attract the blessings of God, you have to believe that God, you must expect that God will act on your behalf. That God has got to your back. That is trusting in the faithfulness of the Almighty God. That is the number seven thing. You must trust in the faithfulness of the Almighty God. Because if you cannot do that, then you find out that the word of God, the blessings of God, becomes elusive in our life. My brothers and sisters, you cannot develop the faith. You will not be able to attract. You will not be able to position yourself for the things of God if you do not see your own need in your own life. If you do not see the need for a savior, you will not be born again. There is no magic about this thing. If you believe that you are righteous, if you believe that you are holy, that you don't need anything, why would you be asking for a savior? It's just like somebody who does not believe that he's sick. Why would you go to the doctor's office? Why would you be taking the, well, the prescription that is given to you if you don't believe that you are sick? The same thing. You will not be able to develop the faith to receive miracle from the Almighty God if you cannot recognize your own need. You will not be able to develop the faith to receive from the Almighty God if you do not expose yourself to the Word of God. You will not be able to develop the faith to receive from the Almighty God if you do not trust, if you do not believe the truth of the Word of God that is exposed to your life. You have to believe the word. You have to expose yourself to it. And then number four, if you do not believe in the power and the authority of the word of God that you are hearing, if you believe that this is just another storybook that was written some years ago by some dead people who do not know what they are doing, if you don't believe the power and the authority of the word, it will not work for you. It's as simple as that. There are principles in the scripture. If you don't believe those principles, it will never work for you. It doesn't matter how much time you spend in the church. It doesn't matter how much time you spend in prayer. If you do not believe in it, it will not work for you. Then number five, you cannot develop the faith and be, the faith that will, that, 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 will, that will attract the miracles of God into your life if you are not convinced it does not apply to you. If you don't believe that God will, and there are many in the church who do not believe that their prayers, have you seen people who prayed? They say, oh God, bless me. Oh Lord, do something. Oh Lord, heal me. And then they turn around and say, ah, this headache is what is going to kill them. <laughs> I mean, they have just finished praying about a particular thing that they want God to do. And then they turn around and begin to confess something else. They begin to confess the contrary. They begin to confess the exact opposite of what they are expecting the Lord for. That means they don't believe that God will do it for them. Some of them will say, oh, they are not the lucky ones that will ever win something. Or they are not the lucky ones who will ever receive something. They are, the point I'm trying to make is that if you are not convinced that God will do something for you, it will not apply to you. If you don't believe, if you are not expecting God to do anything, he probably will not do anything for you. Because your expectation will affect the way you behave. If you are expecting that somebody will, you know, you, I, I don't know whether you see it with people. 
You see somebody and you say that this person is going to be mean, or this person is going to be rude, or you have that particular prick for here. You have this uh, picture at the back of your mind of how somebody is supposed to be. It will affect the way you behave to that person. By the time you see the person, you become aggressive or you start acting one way, and that person will reciprocate, and then you confirm it. I told you that person is not good. I told you it's not good. It's already, you already have that mindset towards that person. Your behavior towards that person reflects your mindset, and that person responds to it. But you notice, I don't, if you can, you can try this, if you go out tomorrow, today, or you go out during, uh, during your, you go to your place of work next week. Try it. Somebody you have not spoken to before. Walk past that person and smile to that person and see what happens. They respond back. They will smile back. But walk past somebody and you don't smile to that person. So what happened? That person took close, close his face. It is a function of expectation. If you expect God to move on your behalf, it's easy for you to see the miracle. If you don't expect God to do anything, probably nothing will happen because you are not expecting anything. So you are not on the lookout. So a man who will develop the faith to receive from God must have that spirit of expectation. He must have that spirit of believing, knowing that God is faithful to whatever he has said. And not only that, you must trust God's faithfulness. The Bible says that wait not for the faithfulness of the Almighty God. Wait for the, for the mercy of the Almighty God who would have been consumed. Why? Because great is the faithfulness of when the Lord God Almighty said he would do something, he do it. That's why the Bible tells us the book of Numbers. He said that God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should lie. If he says he's going to do something, if he promises you he's going to do it, he will do it. And I tell people, you are not that, you are not, you, your case is not exceptional. In the sense that if he had done it for people in the past, and he's doing it for people today, why will he not do it for you? Huh? I mean, if he can save somebody who, I, I mean, how, how terrible can a man be? You kill somebody and then you stand next to him and say, yes, I'm the one who killed him. What are you going to do? I'm talking about Paul the Apostle. That's what he did. Persecuting the Christians. They stoned, they stoned Stephen right in, in, in his presence and he stood there. And they were laying their clothes in front of him. Just He was taking the credit for killing him. He was the ISIS of his own days. You know, the guy that would kill and he would stand there. And yet God was able to deliver him. God was able to save him. And God was able to use him for his own glory. You have not killed anybody. At least we don't know. <laughs> and I don't think you want to, you want to admit to that, you know, in a way. You know, but you have not done anything like that. You have not killed like that. The Bible said there was a particular woman called Rahab. This was a woman everybody knows. Her house was that, was built in such a way that you will come in there, you will visit. Many of us are not like that. And yet, this particular woman happened to have to be, be in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The point I'm making is, it does, no matter how terrible the situation is, God has forgiven people in the past. He can still forgive you. God has healed people in the past. He can heal you. God has delivered people in the past. He can deliver you. God has moved people from where they are to where they need to be. He can do exactly the same thing for you. The question is, do you believe him? That's the thing. Do you believe in the faithfulness of the Almighty God? The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means He never changes. What He has done before, He can do today, and He will do tomorrow. The question is, do you believe He can do it for you? That's where the question is. It's not the question of whether we come to church. It's not the amount of noise that we make in church. It's not the amount of what we do. The function is, do you believe that this Word of God applies to you? Do you believe that these promises that are in the Word of God applies to you? Because if you don't believe it, you will never be able to have the faith to receive from the Almighty God. And that's why tonight I want you to pray and talk to the Almighty God. And just say, Lord Almighty, whatever barrier is in my life, whatever hindrance is in my spirit, that will not allow me to connect with your faith, that will not allow me to appropriate your, your word in my own life, that will not allow me to be able to take your promises and apply it to myself. Father, let those resistance be taken away. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. 
We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.